Hey everybody, welcome to Unexpectedly Gruntled. This is Mark, and uh, it is the middle of December, and this is our eighth episode, which just seems crazy to me, because obviously I knew that there would be an eighth episode at some point, but it just seems kind of surreal. I really appreciate you guys listening, and uh, thank you so much for all your support, and if you like it, like I said, tell your friends. Check us out on Unexpectedly Gruntled on Facebook, And you can also send us an email if you want to be on the show or talk about anything in particular at U-N-E-X-G-R-U-N-T-L-E-D at gmail.com. Appreciate you listening. If you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that I have two jobs. And one of those jobs is driving the shuttle to the airport from the hotel I pick up the flight crews, I pick up the regular passengers, which is funny that they call them that, but I pick people up and I take them to the airport. Well, a lot of times when I'm loading people up, people will hold on to their baggage because there's something of value in that bag to them, and the, or it's something they don't want to get damaged. Like People will be really hesitant about handing me their bag, and they'll say, oh, there's a laptop in here, or... I'm transporting uh, crystal vases in my suitcase or all these obscure things. I've got bologna sandwiches my mom made because I'm going to be gone for two days because I'm a flight attendant and I don't want the mustard to get smushed out of the sides. Just ridiculous amounts of, I don't know, things that people carry in their bags that are just strange or, you know, obscure to me. So a lot of times they'll hold on to their bags, they'll take them in the front. When that happens, I've seen good fellas. You've maybe seen it, but I assume that there is something illegal in their bag. Like they've got 406 pounds of cocaine or a baby or whatever, something they don't want people to get into. So they hold their bags and they take them into the front. Now, when I get in the front, if they've done that, I say to them, you know, for all of you that brought your bags in the front with you, just so you know, there's normally a guy that rides in the back and takes all the good crap out on the way to the airport, but he's not here today. And, you know, everybody will kind of giggle a little bit of that sort of thing. Now, the other thing is occasionally, occasionally, if there's specifically flight crews, they have one suitcase or they put their one suitcase on the manifest for what we take on the shuttle because it only holds a certain amount of bags and a certain amount of people. Now, one flight attendant or pilot suitcase is the equivalent of three suitcases because airline math is different. One means three, apparently. So if there are four people going, there's four bags, means 12 bags. Airline math, super confusing, doesn't make any sense. You just have 12 bags. That's what it amounts to. However, they will all bring their bags and put them behind the shuttle. Now, there will be one guy, sometimes, or woman, that stands there and watches me load the bags in the shuttle. Like, if they're not standing there, I'm going to leave one behind. I don't know if you've seen Survivor or any of those shows, but if there's a clue somewhere or an immunity idol or whatever, on your television screen, it will be highlighted, illuminated. They'll put, like, a little gold circle around it or, you know, illuminate the object so you can see it if you're looking at it as a layperson watching television. I feel like... That's what happens to a bag if I leave it there. There's a gold light going around it as I drive off without it. Just so you know, I've driven the shuttle for 11 years, and I've never left a bag behind. But it's okay to take your bags of cocaine in the front, and I won't leave your suitcases full of immunity idols at the hotel. (laughs) 
people's perspectives are interesting on different things. It's funny that as you're growing and you learn things, you realize that things you may have learned early in life are not always necessarily the way things are, but you assume that's the way they are. Well, this year when T1 and T2 had to go to homecoming or were going to their homecoming game, I told them that I would take them. We stopped and we got something to eat at Wendy's before the game. Anyways, if you've been to high school, which I assume you all have, you get decked out for that stuff. You know, it's Spirit Week, you have Pep Rally, you have just like a Unicorn Day, it's Spirit Day, and all that kind of stuff. Well, the school they go to, their colors are red and gold, and they were all decked out. They have their faces painted, they have stuff in their hair, they have glitter on them, whatever. So the kids got in the car after we ate, and I said to T1 as she was sitting in the front seat, there's glitter everywhere in here. Well, everybody knows that glitter is like the herpes of the craft world, and it gets everywhere, and once it's there, it stays there. It doesn't ever go away, or it seems like it never goes away. You find it everywhere for years later. So she was sitting in the front seat, and there was glitter all over the seat, like in the cracks, among the, uh, along the edges of the upholstery, and everywhere. And like I said, people think about things or assume things are different ways. Typically, people go, oh, glitter, strippers. She said to me, you know what? You could just tell everybody that all the excess glitter is from the hookers. And I didn't know that hookers use glitter too. It was a new insight for me. But apparently, according to her, I'm never getting the hooker glitter out of my car. I think it's incredibly interesting that some things never change. They seem the way they've always been. For example, milk cartons, or more specifically, those little tiny milk cartons that you had when you went to grade school, they still have those, and it's still almost impossible to open it. Of course, part of that could have to do with the fact that I have a hard time opening things. But I don't think so, because even when I was a kid, I remember trying to open that paper carton, the cardboard carton, and the the top of it would rip, and you'd have to end up poking a hole in it and try to stick a straw in it or just drink it. And there was like this little dangly thing of cardboard that was soaked in milk and it would run down your chin. My point is that there are things that they've never changed. They're the same as they were back in the day. An ironing board, with the exception of a few ironing boards, I should say. My boss has an ironing board from like 1732 or something, like it's legit old school. However, a regular everyday ironing board Still looks like it was maybe the second model ever made. And they made it in 1872. And they're like, let's make this out of metal. Let's uh, get an iron that's hot with steam. Because steam and metal make a great combination. That way, every time you open the ironing board, it's going to sound like a motorcycle accident or whatever. But they never upgrade certain things. They don't. They haven't changed the little milk cartons. They haven't changed the ironing board. Uh, the old percolating coffee pot. You know, the one from the Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, not that I would know about that. But they still make those coffee pots and they still use those coffee pots. It's the kind that if you're one of the last 300 people to get coffee, you're going to get grounds in your coffee every single time. It's just interesting that they don't upgrade certain things. They're like, screw it. It's good the way it is. A paper clip, for example. I don't know why some things change and some things don't. However, I was thinking about it. Wouldn't it be kind of cool to be the guy that goes to the supermarket and glues the shopping carts together at night? Or the guy that glues the hot dog packages closed, because I think that happens. Or the guy that glues the milk cartons closed. 
Sounds like an ideal job. If you want to, I don't know, make things more difficult for the rest of the people in the world. So we could send a text message to Africa and get a response back literally within a minute. But we decided to keep the ironing board that's like rust molecules holding hands. This should be an interesting segment. I had to get a colonoscopy done like three years ago, three and a half years ago, I think right before COVID. Maybe it was even during COVID, but I don't remember for sure. The point is that it's basically, they give you this medicine, you're supposed to take the medicine, drink it with clear liquids, nothing would die in it because they don't want to see red, you know, any of that kind of stuff. So you have to drink Gatorade or water or both. And basically, it's just to flush your system out so you're nice and clean down there, if you know what I mean. Well, when I went and had it done, you know, it was uneventful. I had to wait a little while. Apparently, they had an emergency colonoscopy because somebody really needed to get their insides looked at faster than I did, I guess. And so they put somebody ahead of me. I wasn't that jazzed about it, but that's before I started working on myself. So I wasn't necessarily happy anyway. However, when they were done, they showed me pictures and I'm like, wow, it's super clean in there. And the guy said, well, we rinse it out. And I'm like, what do you mean? I spent days on the bathroom, or it feels like it, days on the toilet. And then he said, no, we clean you out. And all I can imagine was, like when you were a kid and you had a garden hose out into the yard, and if it was summertime, which I think it was, or fall when I had mine done, you have to turn the hose on and let it run for a little while. Otherwise, the water's going to be piping hot. And maybe you younger people in the audience aren't familiar with this, but when we were kids, we used to drink from the garden hose. I don't think anybody would do that now, but if you didn't let the water run first, then it would be super hot. So I think there's a hose outside of the hospital that's laying out in the grass. Somebody runs out, turns the hose on, runs back in, scrubs up. They put the hose up there, whatever. You know, he kinks the hose closed so the water doesn't spray out. And then, you know, they just do their thing and clean it out. So I was pretty impressed that it was that clean. He goes, no, no, we do it ourselves. And then, you know, the guy runs the hose back out there and does whatever. But every once in a while, you know, they have to run out there and they're like, hey, you kids don't want to drink out of that hose. And, you know, they don't really tell the kids why. But kids, if there's a hose in front of the hospital, don't drink out of it. Anyways, one of my friends, Tats, recently had a colonoscopy done. And she woke up during hers, and apparently she hit on the anesthesiologist. Now, I don't know how that works. If you're laying there on your stomach with your ass in there, hey, see anything you like? Anyways, I don't know how it all transpired, but apparently he's married. That being said, I also had another coworker who just had one done two weeks ago, and he said to me, I think it's very intriguing and I'm like, what's intriguing about it? They stick a camera up your rear end and take a look around or whatever. But he finds it absolutely fascinating. And I'm like, maybe you can get some of the pictures framed and put them up in your house. This is my Paula. What do you think? Okay, 2024 is just around the corner. And I know people like to make New Year's resolutions and work on things for their life going into the new year, you know, whether it be exercising or changing their diet or both or not speeding. I mean, you can make any New Year's resolution you want. However, I've been thinking a lot about this because I've talked to several people in my line of work. I deal with this on a regular basis. So when people 
pass away, they have a lot of belongings and their families don't know what to do with those belongings. And if the family members are people that are already grieving, it's tough for them to go through that person's belongings and know what's important, what's not important, what their loved one would want them to have and that sort of thing. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about organizing your life. And I think there are several good ways to do this. One, you can go through your things. And if it's something you haven't used or don't use on a regular basis, then I would recommend getting rid of it. As far as uh, letting people know things that are important to you or messages that you want to pass along to them, I started, this is a dumb name for it. I don't know that I would even call it this on a normal basis. We'll pretend I'm not calling it this, but I'm going to say it's a box of significance. Well, Basically, I've set up one for the kids, each one of the kids and for, uh, you know, anybody important in my life has a box. And I put things in it that are memories of them, thoughts of them, things we did together, uh, any letters or notes I want to write to them. Uh, I can write a letter now and say, hey, dear T1, dear Wolverine, dear Moon Runes, dear girl, you know, whoever. I can leave them a note and write in there, on this date we did this, on this date we did that. And that's kind of why I uh, decided that I'm going to journal more this year so I can write notes to those people and let them know that you're important to me and this is why, or this is my favorite time we've ever had together. And then when another favorite time comes up, I guess second favorite time, you know, whatever, you can put that in the box as well and let them know how important they are to you by uh, just telling them. Now, as far as, like, dividing your stuff up, which is a weird thing, because they're not going to want everything you have. It may be important to you, but it's not important to everybody. If there's something you specifically wanted somebody to have, you can talk to them about it now and say, hey, would you like this down the road? Because, unfortunately, inevitably, you're going to leave. You're not going to be here. I'm not going to be here. Everybody's going to leave at some point. So it's nice to give them the opportunity now to say, you know what, there's this picture you took that's, I've loved it since I was little or whatever, and I'd like to have it. And, uh, you know, kind of just make a a conversation with the, the kids or significant people in your life and uh, decide what each person should get. Here's Here's a great example. I go to a lot of concerts. Tons of concerts. Well, I have tons of concert t-shirts. Well, obviously, there's some newer ones that are probably in far better shape than some of the older concert t-shirts. However, I thought about taking a bunch of my old concert t-shirts, and I probably have enough to do this, which is pathetic. But you can send those t-shirts into this company, or maybe it's some seamstress, you know, just sitting in her house in Kentucky or something. But... They will turn all your t-shirts into like a gigantic quilt. And quilts, probably not the right word either, but that's kind of what it reminds me of. I feel like Charles Ingalls from Little House on the Prairie now. I'm going to send this stuff off and get a quilt made for the family. But they will make a quilt, comforter, blanket, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, duvet, to uh, put all your t-shirts on. And then your loved one can sit on the couch underneath all your t-shirts and... uh you know, just enjoy them. And that's one less thing they have to worry about. But it's really important to consolidate and say, hey, this is important to me. That's not important to me. 
and then set up those boxes for the people in your life and you can say this is the first movie we ever went to or uh this is the day we met and this is what i thought at the time and just let the people know things that you're thinking about in you know in hindsight it's important to do this because you're still leaving a message to them you're still communicating with them and it's going to touch them it's going to make them feel happy and uh even though they're going through a tough time with you, you know, not being there. So, uh, thanks for listening. I appreciate the, uh, the audience. You guys are fantastic. This is kind of a tough subject to talk about, but, uh, I appreciate you listening all the way through. Thanks. And, uh, have a happy new year. I was in Arizona back in October and, uh, Somebody had told me about the Colorado River Toad, which I guess is also called the Sonoran Desert Toad. And there are warnings all over the internet and apparently in their habitat where they live in Arizona, there are signs posted everywhere that say, don't lick the frog. Basically, don't lick the toad. Because apparently it has some sort of protective device in its skin secretions, its sweat, if you will. You're basically licking frog sweat if you lick it. But it's got psychedelic properties. Apparently, it can make you trip, like you're taking peyote or doing acid or any number of those hallucinogenic things, you know, eating six pounds of mushrooms. I don't know how many mushrooms you have to eat to trip, but I know it's not garden variety store mushrooms either. However, you're not supposed to lick this frog, and it's everywhere. So I was telling doc about that when i was there in arizona that i read about it and he goes let's go find one and lick it and i'm like dude i'm not gonna do that and the scary thing is i actually think he might do that and then when i got back to colorado i was talking to another one of my coworkers, who specifically told me i have a friend who has one of those frogs just so he could lick the frog on a regular basis and i can't imagine licking a frog but oh well you never know It's a weird, crazy world. Anyways, if you run into one, don't lick the frog. All right, you know, normally I do five songs. Sometimes I change it up and do a little less. And I always say the last song typically is a song that makes me happy to be alive. Well, I'm going to tell you this. All of these songs are all Christmas songs, and they're all songs that make me happy to be alive. The first song I picked is All I Want for Christmas is uh, a cover, obviously, of the Mariah Carey classic, which is fantastic and incredible, and it's hard to beat, although this version is super cool. This version is by Lady A. The second song for this week is called Song for a Winter's Night. It's not particularly a Christmas song as much as a winter song, but it gives me a Christmas vibe, a Christmas feel, and I love it. Uh, And it's by Sarah McLaughlin. And the third song I picked is called Love is Christmas. And it also is a little bit of a slower song, which all the songs are this week on the list. Uh, But it's just an amazing Christmas song. So Love is Christmas by Sarah Bareilles. And then the last song for this week is going to be All I Want for Christmas is You, which was super confusing to me for a long time because in the video you see a guy singing, but it's definitely a woman's voice. But... uh, Or I assumed it was a guy, and then I saw the video, and it was a woman singing. I don't remember what happened. But anyways, a woman sings. It's a guy's band. 
It's got a lot of V's in it. It's going to sound like I have a stuttering problem. I really don't. All I Want for Christmas is You. Also the same name as the first song, but it is by Vince Vance and the Valiants, which, like I said, see, it sounds like I got some kind of speech problem. Anyways, all those songs make me happy to be alive, and Merry Christmas.